you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 806. This is going to be a very, very, very quick intro. Um, I just want to quickly say that uh, I'm going to be on tour on the East Coast in a bunch of cities uh, the beginning of June for like the first uh, eight days in June. Go to ID10T.com. That's ID number one, number zero, T.com, ID10T.com, and come out and see me if you're in one of the areas around there. This episode is Colin Farrell. Colin's promoting The Lobster, which is a, the movie's fucking amazing. Uh, It is completely different than anything you've ever seen, and he's fantastic in it, and everyone's fantastic in it, legitimately fantastic. Uh, I'm sure if you've seen any reviews, then uh, you know I'm not bullshitting you. The movie's fucking great. John C. Riley's in it. There's a lot of really great people in it, and uh, you should go see it. When you can, like now, well, after the podcast, or actually start the podcast, drive to the theater, finish the podcast, go in and see The Lobster. Uh, here's the Nerdist Podcast number 806 with Colin Farrell. Katie, please roll the thing. Now entering Nerdist.com. When it ends, then you'll just be able to watch it all at once. You won't have to wait. Yeah, binge watching. I'm quite excited about that. I binge watched. Did I binge watch? How many shows do you have to watch a night to consider a binge? I think just a couple. Okay, so I binge watched uh, Mr. Robot. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, it was great. I mean, in the first five, the first five seconds of the show, so you're, good. you're that in. Guy so good in it. What do you think's going on on that show? What do I think's going on? Yeah. Oh, God, a whole lot. It's, it's just too, there's too much. It's too, it's too chaotic to try and find some kind of... Clear idea of what the narrative is telling you. I think there's going to. I think the season's going to. The next season's going to have some weird sci-fi. I think it was all. I think um, it was all a dream. Bobby Ewing's still alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's all just a dream. The power of Dallas still pervading. Still, still pervading. Fucking but- John C. Riley turned up for the press today in like a ten-gallon hat. He looked like Jr. <laughs> he did. He looked like Jr. He did. And I mean, in a great way. Yeah, but you so said John C. Riley is a guy that could. Li- John C. Riley could ride in on a giraffe, and people would be like, "Yeah, it's all- it's John C. Yeah, Riley." He's great, man. He's great. He's so yeah. He's lovely. He's great in the movie too, and you're fucking fantastic in this movie. Thanks, man. This movie's so great. I hope we're recording. Are we? Is yeah, this we're happening already. Good, excellent. Got all this. Sorry, I missed no. that last bit you said. What did you- I no, said yeah, yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really uh, thank you. It's really great because it it when you finally see something that is so completely original. 
and it's done well. It's it's such a because you you know you sit through so many other movies just mm-hmm. waiting for something really fantastic. I mean, this movie's fantastic, like from second one. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, Yorgos is something else. Yorgos and his co-writer, Themis Philippou, are, are pretty special fellas. You know the perspective they have on life and how the sense of humor that they have and how they see all the things that we all feel and all observe in what we esteem at times are the mundanity of our days and they see it and they put it in a really spectacular kind of context and vessel as they did in I mean you know what is Dogtooth his, his I think his second Greek film was an exploration of what I don't know it's set within the within the structure of a family environment a very very suppressed family environment so it is about family dynamics but then Alps is about you know, just to put a byline, I'm sure they're all about much more, but it's about grief and the the ability or disability of human beings to really deal with grief and move on from the loss of loved ones. And then this one is about, I don't know what, a thousand and one things. You know, there's not, <laughs> uh, you were asking me what happens at the end of the film and I, I wasn't being facetious when I said you know as much as I because it's more than any other, other film I've done, I don't claim any ownership of of what it's about or even what my character's journey is. There's no arc to my character. You know, there's usually arcs. A character right. arc. He starts here, he goes on a some heroic journey or he learns some great life lesson. Not really with David. He's just, <laughs> you know, he's just bumbling through like so many of the characters are under this very, very oppressive kind of regime to try and try and just exist, really. I do think there's... I, I, to me, it just sort of read a lot about, about the sort of... Um, uh, crazy pressure of relationships mm-hmm. and not feeling like That's if you're there. not a part of a relationship, you're broken. And if you're broken, you got to live in the woods, you yeah, know. Yeah, but yeah. then they have their own set of rules too. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's in there as well. I mean, the film is, you know, there's, there's a thousand and one contradictions in it as well. You know, I, and it definitely, I mean, I could see people thinking that the film has a political bent to it also because, you know, there are two kind of conflicting ideologies that are at play and both are very extremely drawn. Sure. And one is the ideology of the hotel where if you're single in this world, um, you have to go to the hotel where you have 45 days to find a partner um, and the, the the finding of a partner or the aligning with a with a with another person is usually dictated by sharing some common physical characteristic, whether it's short sightedness or a limp or. But if you don't find a partner within forty days of the hotel, forty five days, you get taken to the transformation room and you get turned into an animal of your choosing. Meanwhile, there are a group of people who are kind of anarchic by nature who live in the forest and they're called loners and they have shunned the rule of society, which is this rule that singledom is is uh, against the law of the land and they live a life in the forest alone. They meet together every now and then to dance to electronic dance music <laughs> and uh, partake in other such kind of odd activities in the middle of a forest in the dark. But but there are really strict and really sinister rules that are at play there. Like if you're caught flirting with someone, you're given the red kiss, which is your lips are cut with a razor blade and you're forced to kiss the person you were flirting with. So you just go from one extreme to the other. And I, 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 I don't think this is the filmmaker's intention, but me as a layman, I, I see it, I read the script and I, I read it as an observer, as just a, a fan of writing. And then I do the film as an actor. And then I see the film because it's so unusual. My presence doesn't ruin the whole spectacle for me like it usually does because it's so particular. Right. So I see the film as a viewer as well and as an audience member. And I garner certain certain relevances or certain um, uh, kind of allegorical lines drawn between what's in the film and the society that we live in. And And one of them that I draw is that any kind of rule of the land that is that is strident and is 
by its very nature oppressive against human nature is inevitably bound to fail or people will have to push against it and have to kind right. of you know try to seek out some form of individual existence i just i love anything it's it's very i mean and i know i know he's greek but it it totally is very feels like a british movie because it's so any anytime there's dialogue that's like i i love the dialogue of inane literal small talk yeah yeah yeah. would you like to would you like to shine your shoes no i shined my shoes yesterday okay i was just asking you know it's like that that there's no matter which side of the fence everyone's on there's still this kind of like mundane existence and everyone's just trying to hobble through as best as they as they can yeah absolutely there's plenty of that in there (laughs) absolutely so yeah, how there's you, no meaning beneath the lines. No, but that's what's that's, great about it's them. It's beautiful. There's a great freedom in a complete lack of subtext. Uh, certainly for my character, anyway. There was no hidden meaning. Whatever he said was whatever he was feeling, and he wasn't feeling much at many times. So how does he... How does, is there a tone meeting before you start something like that? Because you obviously have to trust a director... When you're there, yeah, and you're like, "Is this? Are you sure this is what you want?" No, this the is- tone meeting was kind of sitting in a dark theater five years ago, watching Dog Tooth in Philadelphia on a Tuesday <laughs> night. That was the tone you're just meeting. Getting it yeah, going, okay, well, you I just kind of go, "Okay, so you see Dog Tooth and you see Alps, and you go." Here's a filmmaker with a, with a very particular cinematic language that he has at his disposal or that he's creating, you know, between him, as I said, and F. Themis, his co-writer. And you just, I think Yorgos was kind of adamant as the word or, or was kind of hopeful that any of the actors that he spoke to had seen and were versed in, in his previous works. Right. Because he knows himself. I don't know if he thinks he's brilliant or shit or what the <laughs> hell his creative inner voice is. But I know that uh, he understands that he's a very specific way of making films, both the process of making them and also so very specific tone that he's reaching for and that tone is allowed to change and it's allowed to reveal itself to Yorgos and to the cast and to the crew in the process of shooting the film and then re-reveal itself in his process of cutting the film and of putting music this was the first time I think he used music there wasn't music in Dogtooth and Alps um, but but yeah Yorgos is he's very aware that his voice is kind of a very singular voice in film yeah. which you're aware of when you read the script I and mean, you don't because you don't read scripts like this I mean you just don't I've been reading scripts for 15 years now and you know, I may read anywhere between 20 and and 50 scripts a year or something. And I, I, I never, every now and then you come across, as I said, a voice that just, they are using language that we recognize and language that we have at our disposal. They are using emotions to greater or lesser degrees and thought patterns to later, greater or lesser degrees. But there's some way that all these things um come together that makes it incredibly unique and I felt the same when I read Martin McDonough for the first time and I felt the same when I read York's stuff for the first time and Terence Malick you know I mean even greats like even greats like Peter Weir they have a very Peter has a very particular cinematic language which is akin in my book to kind of David Lean it's very particular but but these guys are writers first and foremost I think you know yeah particularly Martin I mean he's a writer to his core and then got into filmmaking but yeah the worlds they design on the page and then bring to life through through the process of shooting is so so unusual and so specific and sometimes people who are hardcore writers first especially if they're novelists and they go it can be a little constricting because mm-hmm. they're, they're so powerful at constructing their world yeah and they've heard it yeah and, and they know how they want it to sound absolutely and then, you know, I mean <laughs> my, poor Martin I love him but he's a bee's dick away from giving you line reading <laughs> I mean, at any given any given moment, you know what I mean? Because he, Martin, here's the, you know, there's an, almost an iambic pentameter to the way he writes and there's a, such a music to his language. Whereas 
with Jorgis and of Themis, it's not so much that there's a music to their language. Of course, there is a kind of a stilted fluidity. You know, anything that works has to have a fluidity, but this is a very stilted when it works and it works awkwardly. Yeah. Um, and that's the purpose of it, I believe. But um, but it's as, it's as much, if not more, about the worlds they create and the dynamic that goes on between the characters rather than exactly what they're saying at any given time. And I love a, I love a movie that just establishes a world without having to go... Here's why this world is the way it is. Like, yeah. it just is the no, world. No, he's got enormous it's just the world. Of, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I know that I would assume that Yorgos has been accused of being pretentious and shit, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, or his work being highbrow or exclusive or something like that. But I, I swear I don't know of a, of a director I've worked with that has a, a greater respect for the audience and for allowing the audience to have their own experience. He's not trying to impose his own personal philosophies and ideologies on the audience. He is setting up a very specific world, but leaving so many things open to interpretation as, as evidenced by particularly the end of, did you see Dogtooth? I did not see oh, Dogtooth. Check it out. So good. I mean, so disturbing jesus i know well that's the i, I mean, mean it makes lobster look like mary poppins <laughs> do you know what i mean it's so it's so bleak it's so bleak like at least there's a little bit of love on the fringes of the story sure. I, I think by the end of the lobster you know there's a there's a sweetness that begins to kind of make itself through struggle apparent or that it wants to be in the story through rachel's character my character but dogtooth is just it's just bleak uh, um but yeah what was i saying well, you were talking about uh, that there. You said there was some fringe hope in this movie, but the other one was very dark. But maybe it's just about the way writers kind of kind of convey. Oh the yeah, world. No, I was saying about his respect for the audience, Yorgos's respect for the audience. It really, it, it really, he is so adamant that he, even as a filmmaker, as a director, does not have any definitive, um, definitive answers for what exactly each moment in the in the film is about he knows what he finds true and he knows what he finds intriguing and he knows what he finds essentially interesting in human behavior and and in regard to the you know the 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 societal systems that we all live within whether it's the first you know societal system most of us grow up in is a family and then it goes into school and then it goes into it branches out into neighborhood and then if you travel for college or you can say world it goes out like that way and Yorgos finds all that stuff really interesting but never at the expense of, of the audience's involvement it's not just he's not just making something for his own fancy he's really really more concerned with asking the question in an interesting way than answering it in a in a, in a kind of a feat of 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 a perceived self-certainty well there's definitely the you know the, the movie keeps weaving back and forth between hilarious uh and human and then something super fucked up yeah no really Just like fun. a really yeah, quick yeah. super yeah, fucked yeah, up yeah. where you're like what the yeah. oh god and yeah. then back into the yeah i mean any film that can take a common kitchen appliance <laughs> as this one does such as a toaster and use it in the, and use it in the way this one does you yes. go it's fucking mental and then you just think what's around the corner everything there's no i mean there's nothing really you know there's nothing as seemingly in my mind I, I think of a toaster and i think of oh you know nice cup of tea and a couple of pieces of toast lashings of kerry gold on it and good comfort food and nice hangover cure and like a toaster is something that it's like pajamas you know but then in this film you see it in the way that's used and it's like jesus christ this world is really it's twisted. an evil weapon it was it was yeah, temporary yeah, yeah. horrible it was yeah, a yeah. horrible horrible <laughs> yeah. weapon that he was being punished for uh, it was almost like they were using it like that's what the toaster was invented for the rest right. of humanity have been way off the mark for all these years putting bread inside it but it was actually supposed to be human digits. That is, the, the, ultimately the movie is about unpacking the true nature of the toaster yeah, exactly. that's ultimately that that's should the be central. the tagline that should be on the one sheet have the one sheet's all been printed up is it too late is it, can we just can we can throw we that just, in are you guys 
Can we make a call? Should we call someone? You can call someone. But you mentioned Martin McDonough, and, and, and I'm sure people shout this at your face all the time, but In Bruges is one of the most beautiful movies. I mean, it is such a... Nobody cl- has ever shouted at me at that But that, that's also the thing heckle you. <laughs> in Bruges is a beautiful well, cinematic yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah. No, it's fuck you, Farrell. <laughs> Asshole. Oh, do you get that? I want my money back for... Name a film. Name a film. Um, <laughs> people don't shout at you on the nah, street. No, nah, no, nah, people are pretty good to me, especially when I go home. That's one of the great pleasant surprises of the last 15 years. I've never... Nobody's ever thrown a punch at me in Dublin. I thought that had happened for some reason. I thought just for years somebody tried to be... Oh, you think you're special, do you? Yeah, bam, bam, bam. A bit of that, yeah. No, yeah. But, never, but nothing. No, no, no. I love going home and everyone's lovely. <laughs> but do they keep... But is there that uh, kind of... Do you feel like they kind of keep you tethered to... What's... I mean, I'd like to think I don't need to be tethered, you know? I would like to think, and maybe I'm full of shit, but... Um, but I would like to think the things, you know, the things that are really important in life outside of all this. I mean, this is, you know... To, Telling stories and 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 you know involving yourself with one of the most grandiose forms of make believe known to man is <laughs> is gravy as a living. You know what I mean? Even when it's not working out for you, or you're doing things that that you do something that you don't believe was realised in the way that you thought it may have been when you initially set out to do it. And and even if you know, basically, if you do something that you think doesn't work, and you know you're not alone <laughs> in that thought, <laughs> even then, it's an amazing way to to make a living. And 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 uh, I love it, but 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 it's not really, you know. It's, it's not the thing, you know. The thing is the other stuff, you know, and it, and it provides an ability to take care of some of the other stuff. But, but so with regards to being tethered, I mean, I just, you know, the things that ground me are not how I'm, I'm perceived as an actor or perceived even as a man by strangers. You know, I mean, don't don't get me wrong; it does affect me at times if I read negative shit and I, something catches my eye. And sure, it's, you know, it's, it sucks. But um, and there's been plenty of that. I've had my plenty of experiences with that. But the bottom line is, it's it's about those that you have close to you in your life and how they perceive you based on what they know about you. You know, yeah, yeah. And you honestly, you're able to. Kind of, because I don't think you're on. Mm. You're not on like a social media or anything. No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah. That's probably why you're. Doing I'm better at distancing myself from from public responses, you know, than I was at the start. I mean, at the start, I just loved getting on and googling myself and seeing what who was saying. <laughs> I feel like people learn pretty torture, quickly. You know, torture. But you know what it asks you to do? It literally being in the public eye, especially with social media being as as prevalent as it is today, and uh, what it basically asks you to do and excuse me for my self-interest and, and involvement, is pass by a locker room and hear somebody say, Chris Harrick. And it asks you to keep walking. <laughs> and not investigate. Keep fucking walking. <laughs> don't go back and see what the end of the sentence is. And that's what, because you know there's dialogue, you know, it's, you don't have to be a big head to know there's, there could be people talking about you or commenting on pages or pictures at any given time. So it is a tricky thing. It just plays into human fears. And I'm accepted. And I'm, you know, it's as simple, as simple as that. And I'm much better. I, I have no interest in it now because it's just tiring. Any reason why you get on to look at that shit will never be, will never result in, in you coming away feeling good about it. No, anything. because even if it's positive, it doesn't. Yeah, positive, it doesn't. It doesn't it's you're not negative. getting on to see positive stuff. Right. If you, if you needed to see positive stuff, you wouldn't get on. Right. You, you just wouldn't get, <laughs> Like, the people that can go online to, what, to read comments on themselves and not be scarred by it, sadly, are the people that don't go online. That's right. <laughs> like, those that want to are the ones that really can't, that shouldn't. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting time, and I always, I always wonder how, you know, people, like, if you were a film star in the 70s, you know, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to just not ever be affected by any of it because you sure. w- you would never know but yeah so- and i'm not into i'm not into you know um i mean i truly there's no it's 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 interesting because there's there's this 
culture of distrust or, or culture of, you know, just within the world of fame and all that kind of stuff where, where it's kind of like, ah, oh, uh, you know, fuck famous people and life is so easy and all that stuff. And I get it. I get it. I get it because I don't think that anyone by virtue of fame or recognizability or by virtue of wealth or even by virtue of, of, of what they may be able to do unless there is some kind of musical genius that they have that they can create a great sense of peace or mm-hmm. a great sense of community with people all over the world. But I don't think it essentially makes them better people. Right. Certainly not the presence of fame. I mean, right. that's nonsense. But at the same time then, if you get frustrated with that and you go the other side, then it can engender in those who are watching from the outside looking in a kind of an anger that's not really about the famous people of either. Course. It's just an expression of frustration that's born of wherever a person's life may be at the time. Absolutely. You know, so it's a funny thing, the whole, you know, comment sections and it's a, it's just a funny thing because back in the day when freedom of speech was coined, of course you had to be responsible for every word you said. You had and now be, you don't. You had to be across the table like you and me are sitting now and and really be accountable. And, and now you don't. You hide behind you know, you know, blue faffer forty nine. And whatever. I know this sounds weird, but I I I I, col- I have this collection of of antique guns from the like the eighteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth century. I, I don't know why. There's I don't have a justification for it. I just think they're pretty. It but, sounds weird as having to sit in a room with two microphones and talk to each other, and other people are going to hear it. That's weird. I guess it's just weird. Yeah, this is not weird. They don't. They're not. The guns don't operate or anything. They're just old. But it. But when you're kind of looking at antique gun sites and you see dueling pistols and you realize, oh yeah, the things that someone says online, a tenth of the ferocity of that it, a couple hundred years ago, yeah. you'd be out in a town square and pacing and shooting a tiny ball into the someone's spine. The would be off, the slap would be had, <laughs> and it'd would... be back-to-back and <laughs> ten paces. Just for, just for say, because Seriously. words had so much power, and that's how interesting it is that our culture has flipped, that there's such, a, there's such an ambivalent. Like, I know, I, really I, I, wish, I know, swear to God, man, I wish everyone the best. I just have a suspicion that the, you know, the majority, if not every single person that gets on and writes vitriol online is a miserable bastard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's very, it's been quite possible. I, you know, and I, and I just wish that there was less miserable bastards in the world. So it's not about, <laughs> why did you say that? It's kind of like, oh God, you're uh, in pain. Why can't That's you? Like, yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> look at it. something good Come happens. on, pick up the mirror. Close <laughs> the screen, pick up the mirror. Live your life. Yeah, come on, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life a little bit. But little I think bit. it is about finding that because it's, you know, particularly performers, I, I, I you know, I would imagine that most performers, uh, crave a bit of attention when you're young for sure oh my god you get attention when you're performing and people are oh that's great and so there is something that you're trying to fill yeah absolutely and but it but all the superficial stuff that i think you think is going to be the thing that fills it doesn't really fill it no nothing does nothing really there's there's no amount of there's no amount of adoration there's no amount of affirmation that can come your way from the outside world that will ever really answer the true questions that exist I think within all of us that you know are born of our fundamental apple in the garden question of what's it all about why am I here what is my self worth sure and and for sure you know acting initially for me and doing acting workshops there was a couple of things that happened number one I thought yeah wow great to be in front of people and have attention and great to feel for a minute popular and great to all that kind of stuff and then you start going to theatre school and that shit goes away pretty quick because you've got eight hour days five days a week and and your teacher's telling you your shit and all that kind of stuff so that goes away and and then what it was replaced by um was just a a curiosity like a just for me a natural curiosity that i had in the the machinations of human behavior and and just why people interact the way people interact and why I or my brother or my sisters my mother my friends feel the way we do and how our feelings result in, in the accumulation of certain behaviours which become habit which become personality and blah 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 so that was kind of 
and that's kind of what's what's sustained me uh, you know all the other stuff i had a i had a kind of a fast meat arc mental rise when i came over to america first when i was 22 or 3 i did a film called tigerland of course it just went it just went mad yeah it went so and it happened so fast that i kind of lost I kind of lost the joy in it. And I feel that's something that's kind of for me just personally returned selfishly in the last, you know, maybe four, five, six years or so. Kind of a fucked up thing to happen to a 22 year old who is. It's no, it's a lot. It's listen, it's not poor me. It's never, you know, I'm sorry. Anyone that wants to slag me, you can fuck off. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying life was hard. I'm not. There was no starvation. But, but there was you, no sickness. It I'm fucks just with saying, your head. No, I'm just saying, yeah, for the human psyche and for the emotional development of a young man who is already probably, you know, underdeveloped at 23, um, it's, it's a lot. We just, you know, we are, we are, we are assisted by those who are around us in our lives from our young, uh, youngest ages on, our family, our schools, or we're assisted or we're hindered, but we're deeply affected. And we're also given a set of rules, and it's not just rules that are represented by the laws that are written, but social rules, things that are okay, things that are not okay, behaviours that are appropriate, behaviours that are inappropriate. I don't agree with what one person says is appropriate across the board. I don't agree with what another person says is inappropriate across the board. You have your own room for individualism there. But there are certain things that you're told are kind of cool. Well, if you if you get a certain amount of fame like a certain amount of fame, you're kind of told you can pretty much do anything. Yeah. Like anything, you know, it, which is ter- which is a shocking, which is, can be great fun. <laughs> Folks at home, don't get me wrong, can be great fun, but can also land you in a shitload of trouble. And I, can also, you know, just the, the, the bridle can come off and you can just lose yourself in it all because you just don't know. And then you have people around you that are there for the good time and then you're constantly pushing and then boundaries just cease to exist. And, you know, it's amazing. Like, it's a very thin line between complete freedom and absolute self-imposed incarceration you know yeah well i think hum- i think humans really do need a certain amount of structure yeah. and i think they f- need they need to feel connected and they need to and so when you take away the boundaries i think people start pushing boundaries cuz they're just looking for boundaries and it's like oh there aren't yeah. any yeah. so how do i keep upping this yeah. and they get- someone stop me <laughs> someone show me real love say no you know but you're famous i know stop it yeah. please yeah no, i needed i needed a louder no at 25 than i did at six five, five <laughs> or six years of age you know seriously <laughs> but i had a lot of fun i seriously it was it was an incredible time my point being is this it's it yeah it's it's a low to try and process that's all and i had a lot of family around me and people that cared for me so i never really had a posse or an entourage but i would I still get you know i would actually get a away from my family because I knew that they had my best interests at heart you know as, as much as I could um, but I'm glad that I'm glad that chapter is, is closed so do you I mean how do you what advice do you have for people that maybe are trying to find that self-worth in the external world or how do you, you know, like oh how God. do you tell people oh to, God, you know, I like, don't I have no nothing but you're for older anyone. and wiser now yeah, you, I'm older for sure um, I don't know wiser but yeah I yeah, you know, it's tricky, man. It's tricky. Even as, you know, you and I sit across and you're wearing a beautiful black suit and a black tie. I just shirt got off work. Otherwise, you know, I'd be like t-shirt. I'd, 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 have a beautiful a, room I'd have a Star Wars t-shirt on. Hollywood Studios on wherever we are, Sunset Hollywood Boulevard. And life is good. And it's still just tricky enough to to be as 
sentient human being and wonder where you fit in in the grand scheme of things you know are you a good lover are you a good dad are you a good husband are you a good friend are you honest are you worth something are you capable are you smart are you handsome are you pretty all this stuff that we put so much worth in and none of it means anything because none of it's coming with us the only thing that really for me has to mean you know like health and, and not even health sometimes because there's plenty of people that have health and they don't even realise that and I myself include a bitch about life and I'm like really healthy and then I meet someone who whose health is suffering and this has happened and they're so, they have some fucking philosopher's stone they've unlocked some key that means they can see through the the the, the strictness and, and, and the kind of debilitation of whatever sickness they're going through at the time is and yet they have some deep deep joy which is just maddening and brilliant and beautiful to see but so What's the secret? I have no idea, man. I just know that all the things that are supposed to be the things are not the things. <laughs> I can tell you what it's not about much quicker than I can tell you what it is about. Yeah. You know? but, but I mean, that's the best thing about fame. The, the best thing about it is that you get to strike something that a lot of people would say would result in their happiness Yeah, off the list. Yeah. You really get to practically... And then you get to go, okay, but it's actually really cool because it allows me to provide and then I can get good tickets to this or good seats to that or, you know, the odd time you find yourself in a private jet that you're not paying for. And, you know, see, then you can really kind of giddily enjoy all the trappings and the good things that come with it and just have fun with it and not put too much importance in it. Or time. at least raise awareness if there are social causes that Completely. you, that you, like you can raise awareness more, Absolutely. Than, more than you'd be able to. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I mean, there is... Absolutely. That's there, a very the, real aspect of it. There is a... Res- I think that there definitely is a responsible way to do it, but it is but it is odd. It is an odd thing. And I'm not 100% sure it was ever necessarily whatever sort of intention the universe may or may not have had for humanity. I don't know if like a handful of people rising up above everyone else's so. to, for attention. It, fe- it it kind of feels we- natural, but weirdly unnatural at yeah, the same why, time. You know, you've heard the saying, if you, you know, if you, if you meet Buddha on the path, kill him, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's about that. It's like anytime you think you have found something that has the answer or, you know, anytime you find something that, that holds itself aloft, there's a really high probability that that thing will be either as a result of your own perception or just the the facts of its existence will be a delusion and will be something that is is there to trick you. Yeah, and I and you know and of course, again, if people listen, they're like, "Oh, it's easy for these guys." Cause no, they have no, the money. It's but but it's, no. but I do want to say it's not. None of that stuff makes everything. No, I don't know if I'm a good father or I'm fucking my kids' lives up daily. I mean, it's oh, that's all I'm talking about. That's all. that's I'm the important tr- stuff. I'm not even trying to normalize myself or anything. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's amazing that that through the the chaos and 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 you know the extremity of situations that I found myself in in the last 15 years that it's just really nice to arrive at a place where I realise how confused I am just about the simple and important (laughs) shit you know and that no amount of fame or money can sort the most important (laughs) fundamental things out in your life how do you how do you make sure your kids listen that they're safe and how do you there's nothing that you can you just have to figure that out absolutely yeah, oh yeah, just failing. I'm like nervous. I'm, you know, have you got kids? I'm ge- not not yet, but I'm getting married in August, and we're, we'll definitely. You're going to say I'm getting one. I'm getting I, one. Where are you going? I'm going to find one. Amazon. I'm going to go to the Amazon and find a child. No, we're, you know, we're but you know, my fiance wants to have kids in like a year, and, and I meant Amazon.com, of Amazon. course. For anyone out there yeah, that's yeah, thinking that I was suggesting you go to South Amazon American Prime, purchase. I'll have them in a day. No, yeah, Amazon yeah, yeah, Prime yeah, will exactly. have that kid in a day, and a drone will drop him off <laughs> in my house or her. Either way, so dangerous, but effective and speedy. It's very fast. You can have anything. It is. We we live like fucking kings. Like we, li- know, it's like bring me. It's insane. A million. Yeah, bring exactly. me Ten of those things. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before you can literally Amazon one grape. 
That's it. Just a single grape in bubble wrap. But I'm definitely, uh, yeah. But I'm, but I'm gonna. We're gonna have kids soonish, and uh, yeah, cool, and of course, man. and I'm terrified. I'm, I am terrified. Oh, so of it. So okay, good. It's so much fun. Everyone and says that, but but I, I'm such it's a also torture. No, it's not. I mean, it's, no, it's <laughs> I'm a not. warrior. It's crazy. It's so mad. It's so mad. It's like all of a sudden you have these appendages that are part of your body and are attached to and fed by your heart and yet you can't control them. It's bizarre. And that's both, that part is scary, the not being able to control, just like letting stuff happen. Yeah, it's both so deep inside you and so far uh, away from your control, you know. Uh, do you uh, do you read about like, oh, I should do this and if I accept these rules, they will have these psychological effects? No, I've read just a couple of and things and, and disagreed with a few things and, and then I have some friends that are parents and we kind of bounce ideas around, you know, it's so much trial and error. But I have two really happy boys, you know, who are complicated fellas. <laughs> they really are. Oh, man. And you know, and you can't get them to talk if, you know, because I'm like, Daddy, talk. You can tell me anything. Let's talk feelings and emotions and shit that I didn't have the opportunity to because I think that's the way. And sometimes, guess what? They just don't want to do it. It's like, no, my emotional life is my emotional life. They don't say that was kind of, can we stop talking about this now? Right. That's what I get sometimes from a six-year-old. Can we stop talking about this now? And this is two lines into the conversation. <laughs> and both lines have been questions from me. So, you know, I was wondering if, can we stop? Yeah, okay, I didn't, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I was literally driving down the street one day and I looked in the back of the... Yeah, I looked in the rearview mirror and one of my boys was, was looking out the window and he looked very kind of wistful and a little bit melancholy to me. And uh, and of course, I had to fucking interrupt the moment <laughs> and go, are you okay, little man? And he, and he stopped looking at the window and he went, yeah, why? Why did you ask that? <laughs> And I just thought to myself, oh, you dick, Farrell. <laughs> I said, you, you, nothing. I said, you just were looking at the, you know what? Nothing. Sorry. You could keep looking at the window. And, he, you know, he was having his own. So you just worry. You want to know what your child's are thinking. Your children sure. are thinking and feeling. Of course, it's completely natural. But they're amazing things. Really. Yeah, I mean, I just, I still remember what it was like to think my parents didn't know anything. Even though now I know that I don't know anything. And they were really smart, you know? Like, but I remember when they would say stuff and be like, you didn't even know. You didn't even know. But of course, looking back, of course they knew. Of course they knew. Yeah, well, my I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> my dad did, still didn't know shit. God bless my love. <laughs> if he's listening to this, it's all good. But um, yeah, no, I remember my old man asking me to listen to lyrics and songs and stuff and just drive the idea of it, listening to words in songs. <laughs> what songs? Oh, I, um, I mean, one of his favorites was uh, My Way. Oh no, and also Fairy Tale in New York. Yeah. Which is a great tune, of course, a great tune. But that line, I could have been someone, well, so could anyone. He used to play that particular line. I just feel like, like, what are you trying to say? Yes, eight years of age. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? My way, and my way too. Even if I make it, I'm just just like everyone else, or or, (laughs) are you trying to say it is a good thing that I can do something special with my life, but I shouldn't identify with that too much? Or what are you trying to say? I wasn't thinking that at eight, of course. (laughs) Can we not talk about this, please? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just going to stare at the window again, like my future son in 36 years, who I'll interrupt and ruin the moment for. But however, it's fine. Move on. But I think it's good to, I think it's, I think learning, you know, I feel like so much of our lives, especially now, when so much feels uncontrollable, we're in this really insane political climate, we're in this really insane global climate, yeah. you know, the, 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 everyone has a voice and the internet and the stuff we were talking about, everything feels so uncontrollable. So how do you, 
how do you tr- kind of harness that and create a protective bubble for you know these little beings that are being introduced into a completely fucking bonkers world? Well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you can overextend yourself, and the nature of protection or the nature of reaching out and trying to provide a you know a safe haven for somebody can can also jeopardize. I think. I think there's a certain amount of obviously freedom. You know, this is a country that espouses such you know rampant philosophies about freedom and liberty and I think that's very important to a certain extent to pay your kids as well and to allow them to that old thing about make their own mistakes and so on and so forth um, um, I was just going to think of something there in reference to that but I'd also come back to it but in reference to giving your kids freedom not protecting them too much yeah oh yeah I was thinking there was there was a there was a moment about four or five months ago and I was with my youngest boy Henry who was or maybe it was he was five it was nearly a year ago and he we were coming out of Gelson's I think and I was holding his hand and I saw two paparazzi just across the car park which is fine you know they used to drive me mad but I did a little bit of work on that as well and they're not I mean I don't I don't love what they do and anything, but but uh, I don't let them spoil me day. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, because you can easily do it. I swear to God, you go next thing you're in a foot race or you're you know trying to get through red lights or do donuts and it's two hours and you're driving around and you're going, what the fuck am I doing? Life and is they too want precious. that too. Oh, of course, you know. But anyway, God bless me to your own. You never know what another man's been through unless you walk a mile in the shoes. Of course. Anyway, so I came out of Gelson's. I had my little boy by the hand. Saw the two paparazzi. I picked up my little fella. And I and I started running and pressing the thing for the beep beep for the car and and the tension in my body was completely processed by him and we got to the car and opened the door and he went daddy because I was running he's like daddy what's wrong why are we what what's happening and I put him in the car and I said, nothing little man nothing and I put the belt around him in the car seat and I closed the door and I got into the car and for a second I was like well yeah I don't think they got many pictures and then I was like what the fuck am I doing he had no idea right that little fella. Had no idea. He just thought you lost it for a second. He just had no. Yeah, I just made him really, really anxious for what? For my own notion of principles and my own, you know, natural enough desire to protect my child from something that I philosophically or ideologically don't really agree with. Right. So you have to be careful. You know, I think you. You know, you really. I think a lot of the times we try to protect our kids from things that we know are harmful and 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 that can engender a fear in us, and we can kind of preemptively defend which is not always wrong either you know you see a child walk towards a fire yes preemptively defend and put your hand out don't let it get burned first but there are times as well when we just I know for myself I can put too much of my own shit on my kids it's never in the form of a belt right you know or, it, sw- or it, switch it's not my thing at least you at least you're aware of that though like most people aren't even aware of no, that no I'm so aware of how much I'm fucking up as a father <laughs> I, I am think you're so fucking aware them up. no but but it does sound like you 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 do I, I could just even the way that you're explaining, I can see your wheels spin. Like yeah. you really do think things through. It's really interesting, yeah. Because I because I know how you know. Well, I know I know. Oh, sorry, I have an idea of how sensitive I was as a kid, and you know, you don't have to be getting a knuckle sandwich from your father for stuff to to hurt you in a way that it kind of sure congeals within you and comes out in some kind of maybe poor choice that doesn't best serve you on the playground or later right. on in life, even or you know. So without being a robot and trying to break everything down, you have to chill out as well <laughs> just yeah. have a good, and just have a good time and that's but that's what it's all about that's what this is all about i suppose life is trying to you know trying to extend and trying to you know multiply the times of of joy and peace and and laughter and and try and 
you know, allow naturally or through a discourse with the self, a diminishing of of all the other agitations. It is, and you know, and sometimes the the discourse with self is the is a challenging part. Yeah, you, you know how many. So I, I do feel like a lot of it is about asking good questions. Yeah, yourself, for sure. Like asking good. Yeah, how for can sure. I be not? Why did I fuck this up? But how can I yeah. be better? Or what did I learn yeah, from this? Absolutely. It's not always easy to extrapolate those. No, 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 no. But it can be fun as well, you know. <laughs> it can be for two hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, it's also. I think sometimes it's really important to just like write shit down. Mm-hmm. To just see do it. Do you in, journal or do you keep a diary? Do you mess around or just little bits of ideas? Or what well, I, I mean, I'm gonna. Yeah, I use. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a comedian, so I I have a note program and I write. You know, like I don't sit down and go. This morning I had bacon for breakfast. You know, but it's just like weird. You know, I have a folder that's all these kind of like weird ideas that yeah, I don't yeah. know what to do with. Sure, and I just get them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of those turn into comedy, and some of those just exist for nothing. And have you written short stories, or have you not? Have you thought of writing a novel, or would you like to do that as well, or no? Down the road, or script, film script? I don't. Well, that I mean, like that that stuff. It's you know. I don't mind that. You know, I, I like the writing process, but it is it's. But I don't like the editing process. That fucking drives me nuts. And I feel like that's why I wasn't necessarily meant to be a screenwriter. Because if I didn't, Wait, you don't like the idea of somebody else editing your own work, or you don't like the idea yourself of having to mean your own work by cut it down <laughs> and forming it. I wrote I wrote a book a few years ago that was a little more autobiographical, and I wrote the first draft in a few months, and I'm like, I did it, and they came back with all these red marks. I'm like, God damn it! Now I have to think about what I yeah, wrote. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it's exactly. Like, it's like this is me. You... you just didn't accept me. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's all the part. I don't know. Are you writing stuff at the moment? No, I mess around and write like bad poems and stuff, but um, but I enjoy them. And no, there's an idea I have for a script that I want to that I want to write and I've started a few scripts over the years but I'm crap with follow through I'm so <laughs> impatient you know so I've started a few things and not finished them but there's, there's one thing that I literally started in 2011 and, and I just came across it and it was only three scenes that opened it up and I kind of remember where it was going and I'm in a different place now which is really interesting to apply wherever I am now to what was what was a genesis you know five years ago but I'm gonna I'll finish that I know I can do that pretty I have it all kind of the trajectory of it all blocked out so I'll just write that and then just put myself under no pressure to even make it yeah just go actually just as an experience to just actually complete a script for once just to see what it's like just to to see what it's like to complete a script for once just that it's the best I mean that that, just Just doing it for the process is really yeah just take the pressure I'd like to do that so I'll do that and see see what happens and then I can tell if it was something that would ever be worth putting on film or microchip that it would be done for you know two or three million dollars or something if you yeah and, and but the great thing is if you don't feel like doing that, you don't have. You no, can no, just no, do it for that reason. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew this or even cared, but uh, George Lucas, after he sold st- all of Star Wars and Lucasfilm and everything, he uh, he basically just set aside a chunk of money and he's just going to make movies for fun that he's not going to show to anyone. Wow, at all, just for himself. Wow, I kind of feel like wow, that's wow. Amazing, you know. I mean, it's one thing splashing a bit of paint in the canvas and going, nobody needs to see that. But holy shit, that's yeah. amazing. He's very, he's been adamant about like. So you're going to have small screenings? No, I'm not going to show it to anybody. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Maybe he's just gotten very shy in his old age. <laughs> it's possible. Or maybe it's just, you know, at a certain point. There's a purity to that. There's a purity. And also, like, maybe I don't, you know, for especially for something that he created a property that he does not, well, he literally doesn't own it. But also, socially, he didn't really, you yeah. don't really own that stuff once it's out in the world. Yeah. So it's, there's something kind of gratifying about him. I'm just doing this to do it, and I own it, and no yeah, one else yeah, gets absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, can you, would you ever work on something if you thought, like, 
no one's ever going to see this. This is just for me or this is just for us. Well, I have worked that? on a few things that nobody's ever really seen, but I didn't, I didn't go into it with, with that in mind. I, so I can't say I was, I was that kind of, you know, altruistic to the self. But uh, would I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that nobody was going to see? Yeah, if someone said, there's this thing and, you know, you're going to work on it for a couple months. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your energy. No one will ever be able to see it. Would you do it knowing that it was just for you and the people who made it? I don't think so because I think I, I'm part just just from where I've come from. I'm part of the experience of telling stories that are supposed to be shared, whether they're supposed to offer moments, escapism, and entertainment, or sure. something like the Lobster, which is a little bit maybe more thought provoking and has some kind of you know maybe social significance. If people want to draw that, and a couple of my friends have saw it, it stayed with them, and they did kind of draw some significance of their own lives. Um, but I don't think so. I don't think I can't think why I would do that apart from the fun of it. But it, it would have to be, there'd have to be a, a particular reason to do it. Like George Lucas is doing it. I think it's very astute what you just said. It makes sense to me whether that's the reason or not. It does that. It was so put out in the public domain. Like it had a reverberation and still has a reverberation Star Wars like nothing before or since. So what's the complete other end of the spectrum to that is to go, I'm now just personalizing. I'm now just making about me and my artistic voice just for the F-U-N of it. Yeah. Whereas I haven't had that journey. So I just I just make films and I hope, you know, people go and see them and can relate to the odd frame inherent, you know, therein. Um, do you have emotional experiences as you're doing them or is it kind of a work because again I'm gonna, I have to bring up In Bruges again because it is one of those movies it's a movie that I feel like you could watch every year or two and go god damn it right. they just did it so well I mean it's such a it really just feels like a perfect little movie it would be did, lovely if it stood the test of time again that's the ego bullshit but it would be nice if it stood the test of time did it feel time. that way when you were no not at all I mean I loved the script when I read the script because it was extraordinary and it was so it was so I mean People have said the lobster's funny, and some people have said it's a dark comedy, surrealist comedy, and and I get that, but it was more funny when it was brought to life, and when we when I saw the space that the film was set in, and I saw the costumes of the men and the costumes of the women, and I was aware of the situations as they were being brought to life in the scenes, and I saw the other actors bringing their characters to life, and some of it was hilarious. But in reading the script, there was kind of a darkness and a twistedness to it that rendered it not you know incredibly comedic to me that was the lobster right but in Bruges when I read it, it was hilarious and it was also deeply upsetting and deeply moving and and uh, you know it had its own version of kind of existential philosophy that was swimming around in the mix as well but shooting it I didn't know I just knew it was a very extraordinary piece of writing I mean I knew it was such an extraordinary piece of writing I tried to talk Martin McDonough out of casting me you know I said, <laughs> really yeah yeah I did yeah sometimes I wonder how much I'm bullshitting or am I trying to embellishing the past and so I asked him that and he said no you did he he said, when we met first, you said you should really cast someone else because people will come into the cinema with a certain amount of baggage sure. with me. Sure. And it's such good writing that they should you should cast an unknown. And thankfully, you didn't listen to me. And um, That's good. Hopefully, that taught you a lesson about that maybe you're too aware of stuff and you're not necessarily shut right. Shut up, Farrell. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep your you know humility, whether it's true or pseudo, intact, in check, and shut up. Um yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I had no idea, but it's a, it's one of the films that a lot of people, or a lot of the few people that come up and say, <laughs> it, it's, it's a favorite of people's. Yeah. Film. yeah. Uh, and I actually really loved the Fright Night remake. Oh, thanks, which, man. You know, Fright Night. That if I you, don't hear very often. Really? Yeah. Because you know, if Can you, you know, it was an interesting movie to. 
It was an interesting should movie I to up? I'm, Anyone listening I'm not denigrating myself I'm completely <laughs> cool With all that I'm saying This is not I have not got a cat of nine tails and I just haven't heard that Very often <laughs> and You're I not flagellating love, yourself No like, I'm not flagellating myself No at not at all No 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 not at all um, that's cool. Yeah, well, because Fright Night, if you're if you were a horror fan at all, I lo- I mean, I loved the original. It was just a weird little movie that I think did well enough that people at the time were kind of aware of it. But it wasn't a huge the original. The original. No, it wasn't huge. But it, that you know, it was kind of the definition of of something that generated a cult gathering, wasn't it? Absolutely. I loved the original Fright Night. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. And I had a really good time doing the second one. It was good. It was good camp fun. Yeah, well, because you guys, you put your own spin on it, and you were great in it, and Tennant is amazing, you know, yeah, David, 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 David Tennant's great. Yeah, I think, I think Craig Gillespie did great with that film, yeah, my friend Craig, I did he think he did great. I mean, when you're presented with stuff, and you said you read 20 or 50 scripts a year, what does something have to have for you to go, ah, I think I, is there a specific thing? Or no, you just- not really. I mean, ideally, again, like with In Bruges or, or The Lobster, um, maybe even Neil Jordan's Ondine, which which, anyway... Um, something specific, you know, just just a voice, you know, as vague as that sounds. Just a voice, just a perspective. And I, I am contradicting myself because I said Jorgis is someone who's, you know, as meticulous and particular as he is as a filmmaker. He, I've never seen anyone go through such lengths and be so detailed to then offer it open to the audience to have their own interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing. And, and that's kind of what you're looking for in the writing as well. Something that's specific, something that has an opinion that you might not even agree with, you know, but something that, that and something that resonates with you. And, you know, some, sometimes you fly through a script and it takes 40, 45 minutes. And that's, a, for me, that's a really fast read. And then sometimes it's a slog and you have to put it down after 30 pages and then something happens on the 50th page. And, you know, sometimes you don't believe in the story so much, but the character's dialogue is fantastic and you wish the story held up better or the, you know, the story was worthy of the dialogue. Other times, you know, the story is really beautiful and it's something that's not original but somehow the writer crafted it in a way that seems unique but the dialogue sucks and so you just you never know but usually I find for me there's a time about 10 or 15 pages in or so where my lips almost start moving while I'm reading the part that's been either offered or that I'm being thought of for yeah. like I'll literally notice my lips start moving as I'm reading that character's dialogue I might not be saying the words but and that means that I'm kind of there's something that's pulling me into it oh that's great are you your birthday soon, isn't it? Mm-hmm, May thirty first. What are you gonna do? You gonna I don't do- know, man. I I don't know yet. Forty. How old are you? A gentleman should never ask. For- Forty. Forty four. Forty four. Yeah. I think you're good for that. I, I, no, there's. Look at this gray. No, no, no. Look at this gray Same just here. ripping through no, here. No, no, you're doing good, man. I don't know, man. I, I, I see it. You know, I see in the mirror. I go, oh yeah, there it is. You're doing good. You know, when I get out of bed and I'm like, I'm sore for no reason. There it is. <laughs> you know, here's the gray. But I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh. Yeah, did you freak out about it? Or are you cool with it? No, I'm cool oh, with see, it. that's great. Yeah, I'm cool. Did you when you turn forty? I, 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 I freaked out when I tell him. People are asking me about it in a way that I feel like I should be freaking no, out. No, you shouldn't. There, you know, that's mm. us putting shit on you. Yeah. When I was thirty-eight, I freaked out. Forty didn't bother me. Thirty-eight. When you turned thirty. When I turned thirty, I was like, Why? What happened? Forty. It's, it's right yeah, there. Yeah. It was like that. I, mean, I can get the wheelies by going. You know, in ten years I'm fifty. That's a bit. That's a bit scarier than in three weeks I'm forty. But you know, honestly, it Sorry. doesn't doesn't really bother me. I'll be forty. Five in November, and we're it doesn't all going to be fucking dead in yeah, 50 years. Yeah, of course. Lucky, so whatever. It doesn't. Deal. It doesn't matter. Like it. 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 it there's sad life, isn't it? It's very so impermanent, man. It's so quick. It is impermanent, but it's also permanent. It is. It is permanent, though. In the in sense how you live on the memories you live exactly on other right. people. That's yeah, exactly well, that's right. kind of the equivalent of you know our, our 
an interpretation of heaven, I suppose, is how you live on in the memories of those who were ever touched by you or loved you, you know? Absolutely. And just that sort of emotional DNA that's passed down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so that someday your son will look in the back and be like, what are you doing? Hey, I'm having a moment. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, something yeah. that's really charming and sweet yeah, about yeah, yeah. that, yeah, yeah, you know? Because yeah, yeah. it comes from a good and place. And my son will say to his, listen to these lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> listen, to the, listen to the words. Listen to the words. <laughs> you don't even know. You so kids you don't know. even like, know. Well, I'm not even speaking yet. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but that I think that is ultimately what it's about, and I think that's part of, you know, being a part of a community and being connected to the world in a way that's because it's very easy to get completely myopic and self focused, mm-hmm. you know. And but I don't. I can't imagine. I'm never happiest when I'm super self-focused and, and no, no one benefits from that. So it's learning yeah, no, how to let go of that. No, absolutely. And it's like that line and it's like that, that not that line, but that thing that um, the character in, in Into the Wild etches into the piece of wood at the end of his life, at the end of the film, at the end of his life. And I paraphrase, but it's something along the lines of you're not supposed to do it alone. I mean, he has broken free of the constraints of society to go and find himself into the wilderness of, was it Alaska? Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. And then he ends up, you know, getting very sick and, and that thing that he etched in was so sad that he finally found the truth that it's not about being alone. It is about being part of a community. Um, and when I talk at all about, you know, looking into the self or spending time with yourself, it's it's ultimately to better serve your own honesty and thereby better serve your community. Sure. And better serve your kids and better serve your parents or your friends or whatever the hell, you know. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Do you, are, do you, are you meditate and focus? And do you I do wish. You? I've gone through little periods. Yeah. Uh, no, I feel like... i little periods. I can never seem to get more than two weeks. And then I, for, and then I literally forget. I get tired and I forget. And I was like, oh, back to one. It's like AA, you know, 20 years sober. And then you have one drink. And you're like, oh, I've got one day sober. <laughs> it's back to scratch. Oh. You know, the meditation thing, it seems to be something that works. You know, that's funny. That's funny. Purest. That's funny that you say that because I'm 13 years sober. And, and, uh, and, but I, but I, and I tried to go to AA at first and then... Every time I went, I just got more depressed than when I got there. And yeah. so I kind of had to do it with a therapist sure. and a close group of friends. And you got your friends. own sober system going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same here. I mean, yeah. I, I did. AA is extraordinary. I mean, I, I think it's an amazing thing. And I do, too. I, I really do. And, Even and though I, I couldn't do it. it. Yeah, same here. Same here. No, I don't think it's for everyone. No. And um, I did six months, you know, of it, and it was great. It was really great. And then, and then yeah, as you said, I got my own system in place of, yeah. But that, you know, meditation, I, I, I know that I should do more of it. <laughs> well, I feel like it, sure. I feel like there's a, you know what it is, is as I'm starting to get older and I see dudes who are maybe like 10 years older yeah. and I see how stress has kind of affected their bodies and I go, fuck, I don't, mm, it's not going to get better if I don't figure out how to let stuff go. Or How do you switch off, man? How do you, find, where do you find relaxation? Um, it, you know, it's, it's really funny you ask that question because I had a day last week that, and normally I'm okay with it, but I had a day last week where I was just like this. You jacked. And I never miss drinking at all, ever. His hands shook violently, by the way, <laughs> for, for all you people listening. And wondering, this is shaking. Hands- but there was one day where I was like, oh, right, this is why people do stuff like that to unwind their brains. And I came home. My fiance is amazing. She sensed that I was really tense. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm just in a weird space. She kind of gave me space and I just kind of zoned out for an hour and allowed myself to feel it. I think that was the key was that cool. I didn't fight it. I just go, I was like, I don't feel good. I'm going to let myself not feel good. Did you just stare into space or did you just did you read? Or did I you stared at a Nintendo 3DS and I played a very insipid game that's repetitive. And, good, uh, that wasn't too challenging. It wasn't, wasn't too challenging. fire off the synapse in your brain nope. too aggressively. Nope. And it just sort of, 
you know, and I and I breathed and I and but I think the I think when you try to control it is when you get really fucked up. Yeah, you, you're trying time. to control it too much. You got to let it go. Big time life in general. Yes, <laughs> let it go. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I'm just no, saying. No, me that's neither, what I, that's man. What are you I kidding recognize. me? No, these are all just theories and shooting the breeze and hopes of anything. You know, just a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it is. You know, I think, like I said earlier, because the world seems so uncontrollable and because so many people are doing whatever they can to get a foothold. I feel like it is probably the mo- one of the most anxious periods in human history because there's so much to process at right. all times. So, yeah. yeah, so you asked that question, how do you let it go? I, I think No, it's- the world is moving so fast and, and intellect is, is, is so capable of discerning and breaking down and, and, and you know, algorithm, algorithms exist everywhere and yet I think the emotional life lifespan of a human being moves at the same pace. Right, but I think and there's so also a disparity this, there. I think there's also this idea that you know we should never feel a bad emotion at any time, and and I think of it's course. important to let yourself no, feel Absolutely. like you, if, if your body's trying to process Absolutely. something, or you you got to let it happen. And yeah. I think that's how I kind of unwind. It's just like. Hey, if I'm if I'm sad, I'll cry. If I'm mad, Absolutely. I'll just be like, "Grr." That's, that's cool, man. That's being kind to yourself. That's yeah. That's all right. Genuinely, you know. That's if I could teach my kids one thing, it might be something in the ballpark of what you just said. You know, whatever you feel in life, whatever it is, whether it's anger, rage, hurt, upset, jealousy, greed, envy, or joy, all of it. They're all just signals, and they're all okay. And don't judge any of them, and just allow them their passage through you, and you know, mosey on your way. Are you good at it? Are you good at kind of how do you decompress? Uh, I mean, you know, we used to decompress a similar way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't got that anymore. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all right at it. You know, I'm better than decompression now. Doesn't kind of, you know, sp- speed me toward a potentially swifter death than, than it once did. You know, I mean, yeah. decompressing now is like a hike up in the hills, or do a yoga class, or read a bit, or play a bit of the guitar, or you know, have a coffee and a whatever, and a, and a stroll, or drive around town. You know, watch a movie. All simple stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, simple stuff. Well, it, it learning how to be okay with just this, you know, I always refer to it as this like straight line, the straight emotional line, as opposed to this yeah, 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 crazy yeah. parabolic, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm up now, now I'm down, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up, I'm feeling, I'm alive, you yeah, know, it's just absolutely. like just being okay. No, the pendulum doesn't swing as far and wide as it once did, but it, but it, it still swings, there's still music in the old chain, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I don't regret that I did it. I think, I think it's good to have experienced it. I think it creates wisdom. And listen, whatever mistakes we make, ultimately, when we're older and wiser, we we became that person because of the mistakes we yeah, made. So sure. it's okay. Absolutely. So we got to let we got to let kids Are do we, this. Can, can you and me have a hug now? We like, got to hug like it out. This is such a hug. <laughs> this is our <laughs> hug moment. Hey guys, just uh, open the window and just feel, just feel the vibe. And, yeah, exactly. And don't let anyone tell you what are you doing. But uh, but this was uh, uh, also you've provided our American, a largely American audience with um, uh, a bees dick away from, which is a great measurement of length. From what it you is, said earlier yeah, in the if you, yeah. wanna, if you want to get micro, if you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I feel like is something that people are going to start using now. So, thanks man. to you. That was, that was why I came here today. You know, it's. The the I feel like your accent in particular mm. makes everything okay. <laughs> you could say anything, and our ears would be like, "Whatever it is, I'm on board." Do you think? Absolutely. It used to be a lot stronger. It used to be a lot. When stronger. you go home, they're like, "What happened?" You do, no, when I go, if I actually, yeah, there's certain words that are used commonly at home that if I even say those words, I'll instantly go back to sounding more Irish. And if I go home a couple of days at home and my accent thickens right up, it's just right back up yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to be a chameleon sometimes, and you got to, you yeah. know, like you absorb. Yeah. No, I think I've held on to it. Yeah. 
It sounds Irish to me. I don't know. How does, how does an American accent sound to you? Like an American accent. <laughs> Which one, you know? I mean, there's so many. There's so many in Ireland. I mean, Ireland is a small island. What is it? It's maybe 180 or 230 miles east to west and then a little bit longer, maybe 300 plus, 350 north to south. It's small. But there's a plethora of accents in, on that island alone. In America, I mean, the accents in this country are just so, so wide-ranging. You know, from Louisiana to Texas to, you know, the the Midwest and New York, Chicago. You know, I don't I couldn't tell you what a San Francisco accent is. An L.A. accent, I, I don't know either. But. L.A. accent is a bit like this. Bit like valley, everyone, it's, everyone speaks up at the end. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah. sounds like a question because I don't, I'm afraid and I don't know if what I'm saying is accurate. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I can't yeah, really yeah. be sure of anything. Like that's sort of, that's sort of what it is. It's yeah, almost yeah. not... It, it's it's almost more of a, an, an emotional affectation yeah, 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 than it yeah. is like a specific. Yeah, because aren't there aren't that many people who are actually from Los Angeles? Yeah, it's not entrenched in like the you know the hard boiled times of a particular socioeconomic demographic. No. It wasn't didn't come through the dust bowl. Yeah, yeah. And San Francisco is somewhat similar, but it's but it sounds it more like this. L.A. is dumb. Like they just hate L.A. Oh <laughs> really? Yeah. It's everything of that. But L.A. is dumb. <laughs> yeah. So that's our that's our weird rivalry. But, uh, I mean, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. This is, we've been talking for an hour. Have we really? Yes. I feel like that at all, it, man. It flew by, yeah. Wow. Look at that. An hour and two minutes. The lobster is uh, fucking fantastic, and people should absolutely see it. But just, yeah. But I would also say, go into it with an open, open mind. mind. Yeah, yeah, open mind. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I mean, it's probably not what you should say when you're trying to sell your movie. But, <laughs> but I think it's a my fair... My is in the corner with her head and her hands going, no, oh, it's God. A fair, it's a fair no, thing to it's say. it's not everyone's cup of tea. And anyone that sees the trailer is going to know that. But it's a film that I strongly believe in. And I can seldom say that. Um, <laughs> like, strongly believe, you know? And, and, and I, look, I have my friends at home. Some of them loved it. And some of them kind of were scratching their heads going, when are you doing SWAT 2? <laughs> that's, that's all I mean. All I mean is, look... A film that costs three or four million dollars to make is never going to be everybody's cup of tea. Right. Like a Marvel film is. And by the way, I love Marvel films. That's not a slag on Marvel. That's all I'm saying. Danica, my darling publicist in the corner going, Jesus, shut him up. Turn the no. microphone off. <laughs> She's got one of the tranquilizer guns from the movie. We should have like, cut it off in an hour. Man. Down goes Colin. God yeah. damn. It was the third hour, the 63rd minute that it all went past. You know, it is, but it is, it's interesting to see. It's, it's really, it's really nice. And it's, I think it's comforting for people too. Cause you know, people see you in movies like, oh, Colin Farrell, he's a, you know he's got he's got everything you know but just hearing how complex and human you are i think is nice for people it just makes people feel connected in a way oh i'm a very lucky fella they're right i have a lot you know but but, but um yeah were you raised irish catholic i was raised yes under that under that I was, banner of guilt and remorse and that's a that is a, a I had a therapist once who uh, was a comedian before she became a therapist and oh, she wow. told me this really great joke that two Irish Catholics are watching the most beautiful sunset they've ever seen oh, I love it already it was the most stunning you know like the sun just painted the sky and this gorgeous uh, I mean that's a joke already yeah you yes, know the yeah, Irish just, climate but go on <laughs> Just painted the sky as this gorgeous palette of colors, and they sat there silent for a second. And then one turned to the other and said, "Oh, we're gonna pay for this one." Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like, it, yeah. You can never end- empty man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When's the other, when's the other foot gonna land? Yeah, big time. There's a lot of that. A lot of that. But that's not true. Sometimes the sun shines for a long time. You know, you know, you know the the, the whole saying, and it could have been coined in in my country, which I love so dearly. I don't know, but make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, there's a certain amount of fear in that saying. You, know? you mean it's like the it's going to go down? Yeah, it's going to be over. The sun shines, you know. Get it in while you can. Yeah, you know. And for such 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 um, 
Such phrases can lead people to betray themselves sometimes and betray what they need in a moment, you know? Well, make hay when you can and, and yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. the haymaking process or, or have fun. Exactly. But uh, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on, Colin. It was an absolute pleasure, pleasure talking to, talk to you. you uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.